Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Throughout my life, my grandmother has always said that if you find spare change on the ground, it means that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And just a few minutes ago, I found a quarter on the ground. <laughs> so. Okay. Let's pray. Loving, delightful, merciful creator, I ask that you weave yourself throughout this place today as we approach you in worship. Bind us together to each other and to you in holy love. Give us the boldness to pray to you as Jesus prayed, to be real with one another and with you, to honor the silence as we wait for you, to discern when it is our time to speak and when it is our time to hear. Help us to marvel at your ways of being. In the name of Jesus Christ, and in the name of the Spirit that inspires our own lives, we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading for today is actually several passages throughout the book of Acts, and I also have a couple of stories to share with you. But let's begin with Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in their own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then skipping down to verse 13, it says, some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much cheap wine. I love how they had to specify that it's cheap wine and not just <laughs> wine. Another passage of Acts that's been on my heart is chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. One day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Peter and John were on their way into the temple for prayer meeting. At the same time, there was a man who was disabled since birth being carried up. Every day, he was set down at the temple gate called Solomon's porch to beg from those who were going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for a handout. 
Peter, with John at his side, looked him straight in the eye and said, look here. He looked up, expecting to get something from them. Now Peter said, I don't have a nickel in my name, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He grabbed him by the right hand and pulled him up. In an instant, his feet and ankles became firm. He jumped to his feet and walked. The man went into the temple with them, walking back and forth, dancing and praising God. Everybody there saw him walking around and praising God. They recognized him as the one who sat begging. They rubbed their eyes, astonished, scarcely believing what they had seen. The man threw his arms around Peter and John, ecstatic. All the people ran up to where they were to find God for themselves at the place called Solomon's Porch. What I've gathered from both of these passages is that sometimes the Spirit of God leads us to do very peculiar things. Sometimes the Holy Spirit led the early church to pray and speak in languages that were unknown to them. Frankly, that just doesn't make any sense. In the second passage, we see Peter and John bring physical healing to a man who had been disabled since birth. The Spirit of the living God makes some unorthodox requests. There was an early Quaker named Solomon Eccles. He was really weird, but I love this guy. Solomon was a professional musician and composer who, when he became a convinced friend, he decided to burn his own sheet music and instruments in the court square because he knew that he was being called to do something, something else with his life. He did all kinds of things that were really odd. Eventually, he became a shoemaker, and one day, he barged into an Anglican church and began making shoes while the priest was preaching a sermon. He did that to show that his workplace was just as sacred as the church. He was thrown out of the church that day, but the next day he showed up again and he made his way to the pulpit by jumping from pew to pew. I would love to see some of you do that right now, actually. That cracks me up. <laughs> now, like I said, Solomon Eccles was a bit eccentric, or maybe God was just expressing God's own eccentricities through Solomon and through the leading that was given to Solomon. But either way, sometimes God doesn't make sense, and God doesn't like for us to make sense either. Another early friend, Mary Fisher, had a leading to preach to the Sultan of Turkey. Though many tried to stop her and even put her on a boat bound for Venice instead of Turkey in order to trick her out of going to meet the Sultan, Mary Fisher knew in her heart what she was led to do, and she did it. She persuaded the captain of the boat to let her off at the coast of Greece, and she set out alone and on foot through Macedonia and into the mountains where the Sultan was staying. Sometimes God calls us to act in ways that are unfamiliar to us. A friend of mine named Amanda, who might not be a Quaker, but is certainly a friend of Jesus, felt a peculiar leading a few years back. She didn't have much experience with intentional communities, and she wasn't much of a cyclist, but she decided to bike across the United States to visit every intentional community along the way. 
Two years later, she and her partner had biked over 6,500 miles and visited 100 different intentional communities. They met 20,000 people along their journey before settling into an eco-village where I lived at the time and met her. Amanda was a spiritual mentor of mine and she shaped my understanding of community, specifically spirit-led community. Um, you can actually see her journey in a documentary called Within Reach, and I promise she didn't pay me to say that. Um, so, <laughs> Now, I'm sure my friend Amanda would agree that that was one of the hardest adventures of her life. And it didn't really make a lot of sense. Someone who had hardly been on a bicycle at all, um, and someone who had never visited an intentional community, decided to hop on a bike and ride for two years. But I think that that experience not only shaped her life, it also shaped mine, tangentially. And it shaped probably many of the other 20,000 people that she met along the way. Sometimes God calls us to worship in ways that are unfamiliar to us. Several months ago, I was sitting here at West Hills during open worship. And all of a sudden, I experienced a very strange leading to make the sign of the cross, like many of our liturgical cousins in the Christian faith do. To be honest, I was absolutely repulsed by that leading. I'm a Quaker. We don't need these pious, outward expressions of faith. And then I didn't tell anyone sitting next to me about this. I just bowed my head to pray. And a moment later, I looked up and the person sitting right beside me was making the sign of the cross. <laughs> now, if I thought of God as a God who punishes us when we make mistakes or refuse to obey a leading, then I would probably see that as a solid thump between my eyes. But thankfully, I see God as one who nudges us to feel safe in God's presence. Perhaps that moment was a lesson that if we are truly using this time together during meeting for worship as a chance to encounter God, then yes, this can be a safe place for even those of us who feel led to make the sign of the cross, or those of us who pray in unknown tongues, or those of us who burst into holy laughter, or those of us who do not use the name Jesus in our spiritual language. When we follow these leadings, those around us are likely to react in a variety of ways. The reactions are simply beyond our control. In the case of the, fe of the Feast of Pentecost, the early Christians were accused of being drunk at nine o'clock in the morning, and of all things, drunk on cheap wine. In the case of... <laughs> In the case of the man at Solomon's porch, the crowd that surrounded them were amazed and perplexed. They ran to see it and found God for themselves. In the case of Solomon Eccles, folks accused him of being blasphemous and didn't seem to understand his message. I don't understand his message sometimes. In the case of Mary Fisher, the Sultan of Turkey heard her message and believed it as truth and even offered to send an escort with her to keep her safe. The leading is beyond our control and beyond our understanding. How folks react to what we are called to do is beyond our control. But what we can control is our decision to sit here in the silence and wait. We can wait for God to speak,
and test our leadings here together. If we're led to speak during worship, we can speak. We are blessed to be in a tradition that allows us to do that. We can sing, we can dance, we can sink into the lineage of the body of Christ and the religious society of friends that has a rich history of hearing the voice of God and responding to it. More than that, we can rest in knowing that the same voice that called out to Moses from the bush that was burning, the one that called out to the prophet Elijah in the still small voice, and the voice that called out to Jesus to beckon him from the grave and into eternal resurrection, that same voice, the voice of love and hope and truth, that same voice is calling us to be exactly who we were made to be. And the power of God that enabled women and men to speak in tongues unknown to them and heal a disabled man at the temple gate, the same power of God that offered Mary Fisher the boldness to travel alone by foot in 1658 is the power that enables you to do whatever it is that God is calling you to do now. So, my friends, how will you respond to the voice of God? How do you respond to those around you as they follow a leading of their own?